Integral consciousness is the cutting edge level of human psychological growth. It brings radical new capacities, like a long-term evolutionary view, an embrace of all prior levels of development, and a realistic balance between the needs of self and the needs of others. But it's not a final destination, a goal to be reached. It's more a conscious, alive, day-by-day practice that we must engage with if we want to live and breathe integral. So today we're going to look at five simple practices you can use to make this level of consciousness your new home. Welcome to the Great Updraft podcast. I'm Ross. We talk about profound personal development. You can find me on all the major podcasting platforms out there and you can get tons of free resources at thegreatupdraft.com, which is visited by thousands every month. You can also work one-to-one with me in my mind mindfulness coaching by visiting the website. So we're not going to be talking too much about what integral consciousness is today, but if the theory is right, it's the next major stage of human development that's going to come online and influence the culture in a dramatic way, just like the current leading edge, which is postmodern egalitarianism, which erupted in you know, the States and the UK and other Western countries not long after the Second World War. This integral consciousness is next. This is what's really going to have a, a bearing on, on what's to come in, in society and in culture. I will encourage you to follow the links in the description to find out more about what integral consciousness really is in a lot of depth if you need to. And I also encourage you to follow the link in the description to the accompanying article for this video. And you'll find two more practices there that I'm not going to have time to cover today. So head over to the accompanying article for those. What I want you to realize is that at at Integral, when we start downloading Integral Consciousness, we realize that we are these continually continually evolving individuals in a continually evolving world. So with that, a, a natural extension of that, a natural result of that is that we can actually consciously participate in our own growth. We actually, in a sense, I like to think of it as making conscious what has so far been an unconscious process for us, which is the process of stage development. And Though we often talk about integral consciousness, you know, you'll find all manner of resources out there on integral consciousness. I just, I don't think it's made clear enough what we can actually do to embody it and how we can encourage it and how, even if this is your home and this is where you kind of, you know, the, the integral thinkers in the world, those are the people you resonate with and you've basically got an integral heart, as we say, as these practices are a reminder and it's it's when you see yourself falling back <laughs> developmentally you can bring these practices in and you'll yeah you'll go back into integral consciousness so they're going to be very practical exercises that you can pull out at any time and the other big lesson here is that integral consciousness is not an end it's not like a stage that you reach and that you you're just you're there permanently and 
all is well in the world. You know, I, I, I think sometimes um, when people talk about spiral dynamics, they think of it as a process of ascension where you finally reach this amazing stage L or stage turquoise. And really, I, I really don't think that's accurate. I see it as more of a practice. And really, you know, as humans, as growing humans, we have all the earlier levels online and they come in and dominate and often not not to our advantage. And so, as I said, these practices are things you can bring in to continue to practice being integral because it really is a practice. And over time, as you make these a habit and as you start to take the lessons from these practices, you start to see the power and you start to really understand why they're, why the practices are what they are and why they are that way your your operating system will start to you know become more and more integral over time and it'll be something you don't really have to try to do it'll just be your default to be clear if you already know the you know models like spiral dynamics and integral theory when i say integral consciousness what i mean is the teal yellow and the turquoise level together. So I'm not differentiating between the two when I say integral. And if I want to be more specific, I will be. I'll say teal or yellow and I'll say turquoise when I want to be more specific. Before we get into the first practice, I just want to give you a bit of a warning here that these practices are things I found useful and they're things that I see that I do when I when I'm living life, basically. But I don't want you to think that these somehow define what it means to be integral or that the things I say are all true and they should be true for you. I think there are markers of in being integral. There certainly are. But at the same time, my own embodiment of it is my own thing. And actually, we kind of embody all these stages in our own unique way. And... I'm going to have my blind spots. I'm going to have my bright spots. I'm going to have my strengths and my weaknesses. So, you know, take what I'm saying, look for the deep lessons, but don't get too caught up in all the little details. And at the end, you have to let your own experience and your own wisdom and your own realization that you are actually embodying this level and let that guide you. Don't get too caught up in all the details and think that it all needs to be exactly what I'm saying. That's not what the point of this is. So let's get to those practices then. The first practice to, you know, live and keep encouraging integral consciousness is to see the healthiness and the necessity of all stages. Now, basically, when we hit second tier in our development, we sort of loosen up. Um, all the previous stages are basically um, monoperspectival, they're very narrow-minded, they have their view of the world, and if someone doesn't agree or if, or if they see things differently, then they're excluded and they're not, we think of them as like some kind of alien or, you know, they're just wrong in some way. And at second tier, that kind of, that tendency is reversed. We reach up, we reach back and we reach forward in the developmental spectrum and we open our hearts to all previous stages, we realize that all the prior stages are building blocks in, in this grand puzzle that we are. And 
in the grand puzzle that is society and culture and humanity, we can see the deeper truths in all the stages and we can see why they come about. It doesn't mean we necessarily agree with everything that we're going to uh, regress to those levels, but we can see that their validity and their the reason why they come about. And this isn't just in a psychological way, it's also in a societal way, you know, societal pressures and socioeconomic conditions and so on, create these stages in a very real way. And what I want you to think is that the extent to which you fail to see your their validity and necessity is the extent to which you are not embodying integral consciousness. Now at Teal, this is really an intellectual thing. So it's like we can think about the stages and we can synthesize them in thought. At Turquoise, it's quite different actually. And this is where integral consciousness has layers to it. Turquoise is different. At Turquoise, this is more of a visceral endeavor. We can actually synthesize the stages in what I will call lived moment to moment embodiment and connection. This basically means that you literally sort of feel and sense and um, watch the stages inside yourself. And it's very different to what Teal is. And the practice here, let's get to the actual practice. The practice is to deeply observe yourself as you're living out your life. And basically watch out for all these stages as they as they appear and disappear within you. For example, a particular emotion that you're experiencing might be from a certain stage, uh, a reaction that you have, um, an action that you take. These things can all be from different levels of the developmental spectrum. For example, if you need to set boundaries with people and be lion-like and be you know, a bit authoritarian, can you tap into your red? Can you do that? In a more complicated situation when you need facts and figures and uh, the trends, can you go to rational analysis and be objective and look for um, external validation for the facts and all this that, that you're that you're interested in in that moment? That's an orange expression. And if feelings and togetherness and sensitivity are required, can you adopt the green self? Can you let your green self come through and even more, can you do all of this without getting contracted around them, without over-identifying as red, as orange, as green, or as any of the other previous stages? Can you do it just as a momentary action that comes through you, in a sense, and let it come, let it go, and then once it's gone, you kind of move on? And this is flex flow. Spiral Dynamics talks about flex flow. And... This is what it is. It's being able to live all these levels without really being attached to them, but also seeing that they're healthy and necessary in the right situation. <clears throat> the second practice I want to cover is what I'm going to call seeing the spectrum of stages. Now, this is very related to the first one, except the, the difference here is that we kind of want to see them all at once. We want to see all of the stages all at once. And this happens in particular situations. I'll give you a good example of this. And also to see that they form a sort of hierarchy within you. And I'm saying 
you're not thinking about this, you're actually seeing it as it's happening. And this is really more of a turquoise thing. I got this from Jeff Salzman, who's a lead, who's does a podcast about integral theory applied to politics. And he spoke about this practice in the context of the Israel-Palestine conflict. And it really helped me because I've really, I have a big allergy to current events. I'm not really sure why. I just, I tend to bury my head in the sand or I tend to just not care or I tend to not believe the news people, these kind of things. I just, I just do not participate. But his, what he gave me was really important. And so let's say we're, we're reading this news article about the Israel-Palestine conflict. What you'll see is, if you watch yourself, is that you'll see a, a sort of spectrum of reactions. And the spectrum is the developmental spectrum. Let's start at the very top. Third tier, a third tier reaction is, well, third tier is like the spiritual self or the stages of the spiritual self. And at third tier, we see everything to be no more and no less than the manifestation of spirit. So you might see the Israel-Palestine conflict in that way. Second tier, what does second tier see? At Turquoise, we this is sort of like the loving grandparent self, I would call it. It sort of sees the chaos of the conflict. It sees the churning and it sees, you know, it sees people dying and it sees all this tragedy. And it kind of sees it as this inevitable part of life, not that it's a, a nice thing. It's just an inevitable thing that comes about because humans are evolving and evolution is playing itself out. And at Turquoise, we sort of rest in something greater. I wouldn't say we have the full spirituality of third tier, but we have a deeper trust in something that is guiding all of this. Even if the surface phenomena are really quite terrible and catastrophic sometimes. At teal, which is the first stage and second tier, I would call this the developmental analytical self. So basically we can see all the levels of development in the conflict. So we can see you know, the red um, warriors who are involved, the blue, you know, religious fundamentalists, the more orange, rational, peaceful side of the conflict. And we can see all of this and we're trying to sort of analyze the conflict. We're trying to figure out sort of, ah, oh, wait, who's to blame? Is it the red? Is it the blue spectrum? Is it the, the, the orange? Is, you know, what what's to blame here? And it, it, it does that and it can see all of the first tier reactions to the conflict. So it can say, ah, the, you know, the, the orange, the, the modern Americans are reacting this way and the traditional Americans are reacting this way and so on and so forth. And it can sort of see all these layers in the conflict. Let's go into the first tier. What does green do with the Israeli-Palestine conflict? Green is all about the victim oppressor. So if you notice yourself reacting in terms of who's the victim, who's the oppressor, who's, um, you know, who's been getting stepped on for decades in this conflict, that's what green sort of focuses on. And it wants to right the wrongs. It wants to bring justice. It wants to help the victim. It wants to, you know, it wants to sort of be nice. It wants to go in there and, <laughs> and give people the support they need and so on. And you can notice this, you can notice this sort of urge in yourself when you're reading this article. The orange is what I'll call the rational self. 
It wants to analyze the conflict. It wants to dissect, fact find and think. It wants to know all the dates and it wants to know the facts and the figures and it wants to figure out, all right, okay, who's benefiting financially from all this? Why are they doing, you know, um, what are the politics involved and so on? So it's, it gets really analytical, but it doesn't see, not analytical in the teal sense, analytical more in terms of facts and figures and the objective truth about the situation and so on. So you, you're probably going to be having those reactions. Amber is what I'll call the dichotomizing righteous self. This is stage blue, also called stage blue. Basically what Amber does is it takes the moral high ground and it sort of jumps to conclusions. It, it, it labels people as being right and wrong. You know, these are the one, these are the people that are guilty. These are the people who are not guilty. Let's um, punish those who, who, who've done it. And, you know, it, it gets sort of judgmental and it very it oversimplifies the situation. Um, you know, in this situation, there's really Palestine conflict. Both sides are victims. Both sides are oppressors at the same time, in my opinion. And the red self, we're not going to go any further than the red self. The red self is like the aggressive self. And this is the part of us that acts with anger. And it just wants to go in there and like take retributive action, basically. It wants to go in there and, you know, fuck the people who, who bombed and let's go in there and chop their heads off. This is like the red part of us, the aggression, just a raw, unfueled aggression. So as you're, as you're, engaging with current events like the Israeli-Palestine conflict, this all happens, you know, okay, you might be more aware of certain reactions than others, but if you're, particularly if you're going into sort of integral consciousness by this point in your development, you're going to notice all this stuff coming up because this is just, this is our developmental tra tra trajectory. And what I want you to do as well is not just to see it in thought. So you can see all these thoughts are coming up associated with all these levels. I want you to actually feel the body. So the lower levels, first tier, is sort of lower down the body, particular red. You know, red's a very sort of visceral, it's in the gut, it's in the stomach. Well, if you go up the spectrum, especially when you start getting to second tier and beyond, become sort of in the head and even beyond that, you know, into some you know, it goes outside of the body, it sort of lives outside of the body. And because of that, each has their own emotional resonance. Red is like very angry and it gets us all tense and gets the blood flowing and so on. While green, you know, the victim oppressor self, it feels like lighter and airy and warm and a bit sort of feminine and, you know, sensitive. So look, look for all of this. And this is this is, again, this is you seeing the entire developmental spectrum in yourself as it comes up and as it, as it manifests in the body. So that's your practice. Your practice is to do that as you're living life, as you know, you're reacting to current events, in this case, the Israeli-Palestine conflict, as you face challenges, as you face new situations, just see all these reactions coming up and they're all from different levels of the spectrum and this practice here focuses on doing them all as they're coming up together and they fight and they coalesce and they come together and they argue with each other and then they die off but again you can go back to practice one at this point and you can really go into one if you think it's the most appropriate 
or if you just fancy expressing it and you can express it through words through movement you know the red self you know you can start swearing you know, fuck these people and all this and then <laughs> let it go and then go back to that point of just observing the whole thing and these reactions always come up as you're navigating life as you're just living life you know all of this stuff is inside us and you can see the entire spectrum as you as you go about your everyday life great practice three is to zoom out now at integral you know it's more of a grandparent perspective it's like okay you know things are crazy sometimes you know the israeli palestine conflict for example or you know the way technology is advancing or the youth of today and all this and what we want to do at integral is take us as i said a grandparent perspective we can see the chaos you know we can see the the movement and all this but we just sort of trust that over the long run things are advancing for the better and as humans we over idealize the past you know we tried we somehow think that the past was peaceful and that we were living in some sort of paradise if we go back far enough in human history but we also catastrophize the future we know say oh, oh well if ai develops too much then it's going to destroy human creativity or if or if um donald trump gets re-elected you know the whole thing's gonna collapse or if you know, if Britain leave the EU, then that means that demo, you know, European democracy is is uh, in danger, and all this, you know, cat, just complete catastrophizing. And basically, we dread change, and we get fearful about the future, and we yearn for the past, as I said, because we over idealize it, and we're never really actually, we're never basically in an accepting stance we're never actually accepting reality there might be a deeper wisdom to all of this and our our point of view is very narrow you know in terms of time and in terms of scope we don't think far enough ahead in the future we don't see how far we've evolved and we just focus on the facts that we focus on the facts that reinforce our very catastrophizing narratives and um at integral we start to see all we start to see beyond that we see that despite the catastrophizing culture and society and individuals continue to advance and that evolution and change are basically built in to the universe it just seems like that is the way and we can sort of zoom out on life we see we see that yes okay everything isn't perfect in the present there's things that are happening that aren't perhaps desirable but perhaps there's a deeper wisdom behind them perhaps over the long run this will be a good thing and if i zoom out and look at the bigger context actually it's really not that bad at all and this isn't wishy-washiness this isn't you know being overly permissive it's just a more it's a more evolutionary point of view you know we look back to see how far humans have come and we just trust in that evolutionary process it doesn't mean that unpleasant things don't happen we deny the that things are unpleasant it's just a deeper trust no matter what happens that's how i see it so the practice here is 
you know, whenever you find yourself leaping to judgment about politics, about technology, climate change, social issues like racism, whatever, just open up your time span. I want you to actually go back to the big bang here, like in your mind. Think back to when objective reality didn't even exist. That's what we think. 14 billion years ago, I think it was, when it didn't exist. Nothing existed at all. And now I want you to think a thousand years into the future when basically human civilization will have changed beyond all recognition. Like we will be as lost or even more lost as someone from the year 1023 would be in the year 2023 in the year 3023. You know, um, evolution and change are accelerating and so is technology. In a thousand years, what we think of as human civilization will just be completely different. And then once you've done that, contemplating the fact that once all of this didn't exist and in a, just a thousand years time, most likely human society and individuals will have changed beyond all recognition, come back to the present and see that the current situation that you're facing or that you're contemplating here is, it looks a lot different now. And that this current situation is like a way, is like a, a midpoint or a way stage on, uh, you know, on the continuing evolving tra trajectory of humankind and the universe. And that really the, the society in a thousand years from now or even further ahead, it couldn't, it couldn't exist without what's happening right now. Everything is contributing to that. The second practice is to always ask how everything is working together for good. Thanks, Steve McIntosh, for this, even if it seems terrible on the surface. Ask yourself what good is coming out of the situation without denying like the immediate short-term difficulties involved. You know, like the, the Israeli-Palestine conflict is a good, a good example of that. Sure, there's, you know, it's it's a catastrophe and there's people dying and um, it's not a pleasant situation. But long term, what could be the good of it? What lessons are we learning? And this can happen and you can apply this to your personal life as well. Even if things aren't going well for you in your personal life and you're not, you, you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, ask yourself what what good is this doing me? And when I look back in 10, 20, 30 years, you know, what will I think of this period in my life? And that will help you see that, you know, it'll help you take that more integral grandparently stance towards life. And I would just ask you as well in this practice is to ask yourself if you can see yourself and life as this great evolving living organism that it's just constantly in flux and it almost has a life of its own. And also there's a deeper wisdom that's guiding all of this. Okay, let's get to our final practice now. And this is what I'm going to call love thy neighbor. So this is basically about weighing down the distinction between self and other and to find a deeper point of connection with people beyond our, beyond everything that we think makes them different from us. And the, the idea here, here is that basically humans 
we tend to focus on the contrast in all things. Um, and this includes in fellow humans. We focus on everything that makes them different to us. And it's like we're constantly scanning for threats, you know, how are they different? What views do they have that are different from us? And we lose contact with mm, with many things, with with our own shadow, with the, our, our own, the way that our repressed psychological material affects how we um, interact, how we interpret others, how we perceive them. It also has us forget about the fact that we're actually not separate from other people in a very real way and that the separation from others, as I speak about in the accompanying article, is really a kind of illusion in our consciousness. And it also has us lose contact with the stages that they're embodying. It has us lose contact with those stages in ourselves. So the, this practice is really about undoing all of those tendencies. And when I heard Jeff speaking about this for the first time, he did it with, did it with Ted Cruz, who is a conservative poly, politician in the States. And he felt a particular aversion to Ted. So you can do this a good practice to do with such people, people that either cause you light aversion, you know, you mildly dislike them, or to people that make you feel physically sick and you can't stand to be around them. The process is quite simple. So first of all, we try to see that they sincerely believe in the rightness of their actions. From our perspective, it might seem like they're they're crazy or they're they're misguided or they're somehow like lying to us or they can't they surely can't believe that they think is what needs to be done. No, I want you to say that they actually do. And this opens you up to help you see why. So just try to see that that's who they are. They sincerely believe in what they're doing. Now you want to try and see their various lines of development. Basically, that they have, they're not just, we might, if we dislike them, we put them down. We say, oh, yeah, they're completely underdeveloped. You know, they're, you know, they're basically like apes in their development. No, try and see that they're actually, you know, part of, parts of them are quite low. Their interpersonal skills might be quite low, their social skills, their moral consideration um, might be quite low. But in other ways, they might be quite high. You know, maybe they have other skills, maybe they cognitively have a lot of power, for example. So try to see these videos, try to see their strengths and their weaknesses, essentially. Now I want you to contemplate, you know, things like socioeconomic factors, like where, what was their family like? What was their economic background? What opportunities did they have? And then go on to extreme characteristics and realize that their more extreme characteristics might be a, a disability of some kind. And I'm not saying this to be funny. I'm saying this to, as real. Like with Ted Cruz, for example, Jeff realized that mm, he's actually a, a sociopath, you know, medically it's possible that he's a sociopath and that is a that's a, a medical condition being a sociopath um so once you do all this and i i have several people i could do this with what for me it does it helps me realize that they are human and that they're doing the best they can and that in similar situation i would probably be the same as they are and 
while I can see that their behavior is not optimal and I don't like it and I wouldn't behave like that, you know, it, it, it lowers this barrier between us and it, you know, it opens my heart a bit. I'm not saying it completely changes, you know, my view about them, but you know, it, it wears it down and it, it has me see beyond my biases and my own, my own, um, my own reasons for seeing this stuff in them. Some of which is completely unconscious and it's to do with me, not to do with them. Does this mean that you don't have grounds for disliking this person, that they don't have un any undesirable traits? No, I, d I don't think it does. But what it does is it, it means you can see yourself and the person that you're relating to from a greater perspective. And what you'll find is it actually greases the rails for integral consciousness. And by doing this with others, no matter how detestable they may be, you'll see that they have their own story, they have their own reasons for what they do. And you're working on your empathy. And you're also, you're getting in touch with the the socioeconomic and the psychological and whatnot, all the different kinds of factors that make us who we are. And this takes you into that integral grandfatherly or grandparently perspective. Great. So those are four practices I recommend. You can find the other two in the accompanying article. And I've also got tons more resources on the levels of human development at my website, thegreatupdraft.com. I've actually got a premium course called the stages of human development. So look for that in the members area if you're interested in learning about these stages in a lot of depth. Remember that you can find this episode on all the major podcast the major podcasting platforms out there. And make sure you subscribe because every week I share new episodes like this that will transform your psychology, transform how you see the world, and transform how you live and act in the world. So thanks for tuning in and take care.